Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, back on the feed with Jordan Climack. We, Peter and Gates took the Monday episode. They wanted to hop back on and talk some offseason stuff, but Jordan and I had to get back on here as well. Tons of, of things going on with the Browns ahead of the draft. There were some big news we didn't touch on. And Jordan, I don't know if you heard our last episode, but perhaps the most exciting news that's happened since we last spoke, Coors Light, a sponsor of the show and, and an opportunity to win a free six-pack ahead of the oper- of the NFL draft. Not even an opportunity. Basically, all you have to do, leave a review on the show and uh, and and leave your Twitter so somebody can reach out to you in Twitter DMs and you get a free six-pack covered by Coors Light. Jordan, what is your opinion on Coors Light? Keep in mind they're a sponsor of the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, if the mountains are blue, I'll drink it, right? <laughs> there it <laughs> is. But, but um, like, am I allowed to enter this? Like, and, and, and am I excluded from this? Because, hey, have I, you I left a review on the show? The have you I guess I'll have to. If you no, have a review on the show, yes, you can. Uh, it's, <laughs> right. I am excluded because I actually left a review back when, when Zerm was podcasting on this show. So wow. I am gone. But there are thousands of, of listeners out there, in fact, that have not left a review. I think we only have like 236 reviews. I already posted this on Twitter a long time ago. So this is public interva- information. But we had over 20,000 unique listeners in 2020. So out of the 20,000 plus people that took a listen to the show, only 236 of them left a review. So there are plenty of people so, out there that can get themselves some free course light. So, so what are these reviews looking like? Are, are people praising us? Are they talking shit? Like what's going on here? <laughs> hey, for the most part, they're good. For the most part, okay. they're good. Okay. I Sometimes when you get a transition in a show, people don't like to transition to new hosts. I don't think that's really even the case for us so much. I think, I think, Gates and Peter, who ironically enough always read the reviews, I, I think they tend they tended to get the most hate when they took it over from Zerm, just because they, they have a little bit of a different style. They're not yeah. cutting into the X's and O's. They're they're a little bit you know. Peter's a comedian. Gates, I think Gates is a doctor, uh, and, and so it's it's a little bit different. So I I think there were some people that that weren't quite thrilled with that transition, but they got over it. I mean, I'm I'm scrolling through. <laughs> they're all five stars, baby. Five stars. Hell five yeah. stars. Five stars. That's what I like to see. Keep them coming. Let's go. Yeah, we got one, one, one person back in November who gave us two stars. But oh, yeah, look, you can't please everybody, Jordan. You can't. Got a little too critical of the Browns after a loss or something. They're like, ah, I don't like it. Two stars. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, we we don't we don't need to 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 review it. It's uh, there's some <laughs> people who don't like the political uh, uh talk, and, and so I think that that enters into it. But Jordan. We, we don't have to worry about that because we are talking draft. No, no, no politics on this show. Just draft talk. Oh, I guess, I guess we, we, we gotta, we gotta uh, take a step back. No, we gotta go back and cover the news that we missed on Friday. Cause you and I were on Thursday. And so I talked mm-hmm. about uh, this, uh, you know, in, on Twitter, but we really haven't talked about it on the show. Sheldon Richardson, we gotta start uh, there because that's uh... the biggest news. Sheldon Richardson cut, from the Browns, saves the Browns a, a good amount of, of cap money. But I think that caught a lot of Browns fans by surprise. So, Jordan, what, what were your thoughts when you saw this news come across your eyes on Friday? Um, initial reaction was I wasn't surprised. Um, if you remember in that podcast that we recorded literally the night before, I was talking about, like, 
It's looking mm-hmm. like Sheldon Richardson is probably going to have to restructure his deal if he wants to stay here. Now, I'm not reporting anything or I'm not saying that this is fact, but I would assume that the Browns went to him and talked about the possibility of restructuring his deal. And maybe he was offended. Maybe it's like, hey, if you're looking at someone else and saying that they're better than me and you'd rather have them and the dollar figures isn't there and it's going to be a $12 million cap hit and I'm not worth $12 million anymore. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I get why if you're, you know, a human being, you'd be like, okay, that's kind of messed up. Uh, you know, he said in his Instagram post, like he was just starting to feel like Cleveland was home, but now he has to move on. Um, really, I just, I wasn't surprised by the move, Henry. I was disappointed by the move because I like Sheldon. I understand that his production, you can probably find from someone else who is cheaper, but to me, with Sheldon Richardson, it went beyond just the production. It went beyond what he was doing um, in terms of statistics and that. Like, I, I, Henry, I don't know how many times I've said on this podcast throughout the offseason of just, like, get me leaders on defense. We don't have enough leaders on defense. Sheldon Richardson was one of the few guys who was a leader on this defense, a guy who was vocal, a guy who was big on the, with the young guys in the locker room and everything like that. So when you look at that aspect and kind of just how beloved he was in the locker room, what he meant to this team from a vocal standpoint – um, a little disappointed by the move, Henry, but again, I wasn't surprised by it. Yeah, it, it to me, this is a classic case of I am disappointed by the move as well, but I, at the same time, it's very understandable, right? Th- those two things can coexist. Where Sheldon, you mentioned the off, off the field stuff, but the on the field stuff, I mean, I, I thought Sheldon Richardson was yeah. the second best player on this defense last year. And that's because Denzel Ward, you know, missed, uh, I think. A good okay, I was, was going to say, are you saying he was better than Miles or Denzel? Which one? <laughs> yeah, well, just because uh, of the time missed from Denzel last okay. year. I, I think Sheldon Richardson, you know, was right up there as far as production on this defense, reliability, game in, game out. And so I, yeah, uh, I, this is disappointing because you felt like he was a key piece of this team. At the same time, as you said, $12 million for an interior defensive lineman at Sheldon Richardson's age. Actually, it's more than that. I think it's $13.6 million for him. It's saved us $12 million, but $13.6 for him. I mean, that's a lot of money. And so the reason the Browns structured this deal this way is so they could get out of it right now. And so ultimately they chose to do that. And that, you know, is going to cost the Browns potentially some production inside, but potentially not as well. And so Jordan, you bring up a good point about the restructure. I saw a lot of Browns fans saying, oh, why didn't they restructure his deal? As soon as the Clowney deal was signed, a lot of people were saying, hey, restructure Sheldon, you know, kind of that thing. But you have to look at it from the player side of things. Sheldon Richardson, yes, the money is one thing. You know, he, you know, he gets 1.6 million out of this and then is obviously going to go sign a contract somewhere else, even potentially Cleveland, if you believe some of the rumors out there. But on top of that, Sheldon Richardson might be running into or might have been running into a little bit of a playing time issue with the Browns because we talked about how Jadavion Clowney can move inside. They already signed Malik Jackson. They clearly believe in Andrew Billings a lot as well. And that Jordan Elliott is on this defensive mm-hmm. line as well. So at some point, you run into a situation where you've got too many players uh, you know for the amount of guys you're going to ultimately keep on this roster and Sheldon Richardson is where they could save the money yeah and it's funny too like I feel like for whatever reason just like in my time in the past couple weeks doesn't it kind of seem like Malik Jackson has been like the forgotten about guy like there's Mm -hmm. so many times where you go through like the Browns offseason signings and like for whatever reason 
Malik Jackson is always the last guy that you end up on. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just, I mean, maybe not a bigger name or just maybe not that sexy signing. I, I don't really understand that. But if he wasn't signed, this would be a lot more of a devastating move, in my opinion, right? Like, I think that we'd be looking at this like, hey, like, we don't have any more depth at defensive tackle. Like, what are we doing here? I understand the money aspect, but like at the same time, you have to be able to put players on the field who can play. Malik Jackson certainly can play, so we don't lose too much there. Um, the thing that's interesting about Sheldon Richardson, and you hit on it, Henry, is the is it possible that he does end up coming back to the Browns on a smaller one two-year deal money for less uh or one or one or two-year deal for less money it'll be interesting to see how that plays out I don't really know where those rumors or these reports really came from but all of a sudden they started surfacing in the last day or two I wonder if it's coming from the fact that maybe um I saw a team like Dallas today who uh, and you know they have um some need for defensive tackles on their line and they been saying they don't have interest in signing Sheldon Richardson so maybe just He's going, it's going to be one of those things where you let him go, you test the market, he realizes, hey, I don't really have a lot of suitors out there for me, so maybe I just come back to Cleveland on a one-year deal. I do think that's a possibility, but I also think it's unlikely, um, only from the standpoint of like I hit on. like There's two things that I feel like in, if you're an NFL player that would offend you, or really just anyone in, in any sort of business interaction with a company that you work for. If they came to you and said like, hey, we hired someone else new. We think that he is probably worth more than you are. So we're going to go in that direction and also say, hey, the amount of money that you're making, we think you should maybe be making less. We don't know if you're worth that dollar figure. So that those are two things that I think can and probably did and will rub someone the wrong way. So if he's looking at that, if he still has a sour taste in his mouth from how things went down, which I'm not sure if he does or not, but if that is the case, I don't see the possibility of him returning on a smaller deal. I would absolutely welcome it, but I don't know if it's possible, Henry. Yeah, and the reason that typically doesn't happen in the NFL is pretty simple, right? Sheldon Richardson, as you said, was probably approached by the Browns for a restructure. You know, we we both aren't reporting that, but I think everybody can assume that that would make sense, right? It would. There would almost be no reason not to at least see if he was open to that. If you're Sheldon Richardson's agent, you don't even need to figure out what the exact contract is. You make a call to the Dallas Cowboys or the other teams around the league and just see what the, the offers are. And you compare that to what the Browns are offering in a restructure. And you assume that's part of the reason why Sheldon Richardson wasn't willing to restructure, right? It is either he thinks he's going to get the money elsewhere, or he thinks the money is going to be comparable. And as you just said, if the Browns are coming to you to restructure, that means they sign somebody up else already, you know, to in part replace you. And so that's not the best situation for your, you know, fit long-term. Now, Richardson's a vet. Obviously, if he thought the Browns, you know, uh, and he prioritized winning as part of this, I think that's the only way it happens, but it, it would be very unlikely. Yeah. And so you, you had something that I want to touch on with him being a, a veteran. So I wonder if like he's looking at it as like I'm offended by what the Browns came and did to me or asked me to do, or is he looking at it saying like, hey, I'm 30 years old. I've been around for a handful of years. I've seen it all. I understand that football is a business and this is the business aspect of things. I don't know if he's looking at it from that perspective, but him being a veteran certainly is a possibility. And if he is looking at it from that perspective, then maybe a one-year deal or something along those lines is possible. It may be. I just... 
look in the NFL, really in all sports, but especially in the NFL, I, I just, I don't fault guys for trying to maximize the money while they can. And I would, even if Sheldon wants to win, I, I think there are situations where he could probably find himself in a, in a winning scenario as well, where, where there might be more money out there for him. I don't know that, but that would be my guess, yeah. just pure speculation wise, as far as Richardson is concerned. You know, that's uh, that that's how I think it would ultimately go down. And he is he's got to have, you know, a thought that maybe it's the Cowboys or maybe it's the Bills, somebody like that, who, you know, if he does want to win, he can still get similar money out there. And so, Jordan, I guess my question to you is this. The, the Browns ultimately, it sounds like, chose their free agent signings over keeping Sheldon Richardson, especially Jadavion Clowney, you would think, right? Like the money there is similar enough that I think a lot of people are saying, hey, this is a sacrifice as part of the Jadavion Clowney signing. So would you rather have Jadavion Clowney or would you rather have Sheldon Richardson? Oh, that's a great question. Um, It's tough to say, and this may be an interesting answer, but I, I lean towards Sheldon Richardson. In, in this case, just from the standpoint that we know what we're going to get with him. We know he's a dog on that defensive line. We know what he meant to the guys in the locker room. We know what he's going to bring. Jadavian Clowney, I still feel like we're like seven or eight years into his career, and there's still a question mark surrounding him of like, hey, is he finally going to max out that talent? Hey, is he finally going to be the guy that we've expected to be? Maybe he will be playing alongside Miles Garrett, but we haven't seen it yet, Henry. We have seen Sheldon Richardson and what he can do, how he can complement other guys on that defensive line. So I I gravitate towards Sheldon Richardson in this case. I think Sheldon Richardson, as you said, <clears throat> is a more reliable player at this point in his career, for sure. However, I think the upside of Jadavion Clown is higher. Real quick, so with that, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that since signing with the Browns two years ago, Sheldon Richardson has played in every single game. So there, so you're talking about more reliable. Mm-hmm. You talk about what is the best uh, ability of a player. It's availability. Jadavion Clowney hasn't proven that he's been able to be available consistently. Sheldon Richardson has. So there you go. Yeah, and, and that part is definitely 100% a valid point. However, here's the case I would make for a clowning. Number one, I think the upside is, is higher there. Number two, I think if you get good production out of both, you know, 80th percentile uh, outcomes for Clowney and Richardson, I think what Clowney provides is more valuable as an edge player. I think you can replace a lot of what Sheldon Richardson did with Malik Jackson, with Billings at the cost that they come at, where I think if you get, 80% or, you know, as I said, the 80th percentile outcome of Jadavion Clowney, that's way harder to find. And it's way harder to replace. And I have my big concerns that, that Tack Kinley could provide anything like that. And so for me, I, I, to, I understand it's a risk for sure. But I also think, you know, if you're thinking about this long-term as well into next year with, with the money they're saving on Richardson, that that this makes sense for the Browns to take that risk on, on Clowney rather than just stick with Richardson, who frankly just plays a, a more replaceable position th- than Clowney with Clowney's versatility to go out on the edge. Yeah, and you can find bodies there, and I hear your point on that. And also it's important to mention too that like, you know, you look for your defensive tackles to be the guys who can aid your run defense, who can really be those run stoppers in the middle Sheldon Richardson, I thought he was a pretty good, uh, pretty decent pass rusher, Henry, but like 
the Browns, and I understand that one guy isn't going to change everything. One guy isn't going to all of a sudden make you good at one thing. But the fact of the matter is Sheldon Richardson was that defensive tackle for the Browns for two years. And in those two years, the Browns did not have a very good run defense. And so that has to factor in this as well. I think the other thing that factors in the decision made by the Browns is to Jadavion Clowney's uh, ability to what he's able to do in the, in the run game and how good he is at setting the edge. And when it comes to stopping the run, I think that they looked at it as like, hey, we're not going to miss that much if we if we let Sheldon go in terms of run defense. We're going to add Clowney and he's going to be able to do kind of the same things. Um, we actually had Steve Spurrier on uh, one of our shows earlier in the week. Uh, Clowney's former uh, college coach. And he talked about the biggest mistake that he made when Clowney was at college was not moving him around the defensive line. Said that they kept him on the edge and he severely regrets that. I think that Clowney is a guy that you should and can move around that defensive line to get different matchups because he can do different things. But to your point, I get that. There's some versatility with Clowney and the upside is there. And I think those things kind of ultimately played into the decision. Yeah, I think what the Browns would say in your response to Sheldon Richardson being a good pass rusher is that Malik Jackson's going to be that pass rusher for them. Malik Jackson has graded out very solidly as a pass rusher from the interior the last couple of years. And I think their plan is, hey, we can get that same production out of him. And maybe they're right. And I think Clowney's also going to be able to provide that at times on third down. As we talked about when the Browns signed Clowney, that, that he's – good at moving inside and causing a lot of problems for those interior defensive linemen uh, as well. So I think they, they just think they can get that replacement. And as you said, the run run defense impact is not going to be that big. And so ultimately the Browns felt like it was a sacrifice worth making And Jordan. One other thing I wanted to bring up about this too, is what this really also does is saves the Browns money for next year because the Browns could have, kept Sheldon Richardson. They they weren't over the cap or anything like that. They they could have fit all their draft picks in under him or under the salary cap even with him as well. But what it does is give them some breathing room this year that number one, they could use at the straight deadline or something if need be. But if not, they roll that cap money over into next year. And why that's important is there are several big extensions looming, right? Baker Mayfield, of course, being the biggest one, but potentially Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb as well. So Something that I just want to preach to Browns fans out there is when they talk about like, oh, you want to extend Nick Chubb. Well, this is why people don't value running backs, right? Is it's not in a vacuum. Of course, Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league. But the argument against extending Nick Chubb is there is a finite amount of salary cap space. And so they are choosing that they are going to spend that on players like Nick Chubb, like Denzel Ward, instead of Sheldon Richardson. There is a choice that has to be made there because you can't fit everyone in. And although those extensions won't come for a year, the the Browns are laying the groundwork for them now. That's what this is, is laying the groundwork for those. Now, I actually happen to think I agree with, with this decision with Richardson just because, as I said, the position he plays, the depth the Browns have there with young guys, I'm for this. But I just want Browns fans out there who are listening to understand is the consequences of those extensions are planned for in advance. And that's what a lot of the Sheldon Richardson move is, I think. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, two things here, and this will kind of be the last I have on Sheldon Richardson. But uh, you hit the nail on the head, Henry. And we had a caller earlier in the week call and kind of say like, hey, the Browns have the money to keep him on the roster for this year. 
So why are they not doing that? And it's 100,000%, you're absolutely right in saying that this was a move for the future. This was a move for next year's cap. This is a move for the cap after that. And the extensions that are to come, because we know that there's going to be three right off the bat. It's going to be Baker. It's going to be Chubb. It's going to be Ward. Those guys have to be taken care of. Freeing up this money now allows you to do that next year. And the other thing is, too, Henry, I believe that, um, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I remember when we did sign Sheldon Richardson, I was under the belief. It was one of those things, like, I think it was a three-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, when we did sign him. And it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, probably won't finish, won't play out his entire contract here. And that's kind of how it ended up playing out. Um, you know, those three-year deals in the NFL are really two-year deals. And those four-year deal, deals in the NFL are really three-year deals. That last year becomes uh, voidable in a lot of cases. So this was that same thing. And look, the Browns are going to be faced with the same decision next year when it's going to come down to that wide receiver room. All the money that you have tied up there. And does it make sense to have all that money tied up there? It's going to be the same conversation with Odell. And like, hey, when we signed him, we figured like, hey, we probably got him for a couple of years. He probably won't play out his entire contract because it won't make sense from a money standpoint. So you have to remember these things to bring it full circle as to why this move was made. Absolutely. I, you do. And they all kind of work in concert together. Ultimately. Yeah. You know, I think it, it makes sense for the Browns. And as I said at the top, that doesn't mean I have to like it uh, just from right. a, a fan perspective. I like Sheldon Richardson a lot as a player. The analyst in me tells me, okay, this makes sense. The value, uh, so on and so forth. Like we talked about the fan of me still says, yeah, but he was part of this defensive rebuild. You mentioned he, he was a leader on this team the last couple of years and it will certainly hurt to see him go. That's for sure. And I, I suspect that he, he won't be back on the Browns. Jordan, the other topic I want to touch on is draft crushes because we've been focusing rightfully so on the number 26 pick trade up, trade down scenarios. What are the Browns going to do in the first round? But we all know that most of the time, the more valuable picks actually come in the later rounds. And the Browns have done a good job, I, I think, in the last couple of years. I actually thought John Dorsey did a fine job with his drafting of later round picks. And Andrew Barry off to a good start with players like Donovan Peoples-Jones that are contributing to this team despite being you know a day two, a day three pick. And so uh, I wanted to get your take on, and it doesn't have to be day two, day three guys. It can be day one guys that you just really want the Browns to take. But I want to talk some draft crushes because we've been studying a ton of these guys, yeah. whether it be for that pick at 26, whether it be for the second round. Well, you know, I haven't watched every seventh round, you know, guy or sixth round guy, but we've been checking people out. And so I wanted to go back and forth over some draft crushes so that Browns fans can have some names in mind on draft day of people we like, assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you trust our opinion out there. So Jordan, I'll kick it to you to get us started. Who is a player that you have your eye on as a draft crush? So this is a guy that I've talked about a handful of times. And I've talked about, he scares me, but he intrigues me more than he scares me. When you talk about, he scares me. I'm talking about the injuries that come along with him and everything there. And he's still very raw, but Henry, I, I am head over heels in love with Caleb Farley. I, I just, I, it, it is what it is. Okay? All right. like, it, it, it is, it is what it is. I want this guy a lot. He's big. We talked about needing a physical corner to play alongside Denzel Ward. Six two, about 200 great hands. And like, it just, every time when you watch him, Henry, it's just two things that jump out immediately. It's big and it's long. And it's like, it's just, he, 
he's just hassles receivers like it with and it's using that length and it's using that strength like he's just always he's like a pest like he's like that Matthew Dellavedova of the defense like mm-hmm. he's just like always in your hair at all times absolutely love that I love everything that comes along with him the only things that bother me of course the injury and he be this I don't know you can take this two ways Henry I don't know if this scares you or if this intrigues you because to me it kind of intrigued me when I was doing some research on him I realized that he was a high school quarterback so he played oh, yeah. quarterback in high school and so he's only had a couple of years under his belt playing defensive back so he's still very raw but still was able to produce still able to show flashes of greatness in just a couple years of being a defensive back. So I think he's one of those guys where you can draft him and like, he's just going to progressively get better and better and better and better every year. I just think that his potential is really through the roof. Everything that I've seen with him, I just feel like would fit perfectly alongside this defense. Now that we've signed Clowney and I've kind of moved my draft want slash need into that defensive back position, because I think that's, still the position that the Browns need to address on defense, really the only position that they need to address on this roster. Obviously there's linebacker as well, but I just think that his ability to press cover and everything we've talked about of how important that would be to this defense, just like I fell in love with it, Henry, because it was everything that I was saying that I would want everything I was saying that we need from a corner to draft in this draft. I think Caleb Farley brings that. The question will be, is he going to be able to stay healthy? How much is that injury going to affect him? How much is his raw, the, the rawness of him, how much is that going to affect him at the NFL level? I, I, it, it, not, none of those things are enough to shy me away from him because I think the potential is there and I think he can fit into this defense perfectly. I, I definitely see what you're seeing when you watch the tape with Caleb Farley. Uh, and I talked about this with Crocker a little bit. And he was in, he's on, on the same page as you are as far as, hey, he's raw and you can teach that. You can teach the technique. Yeah. He has some some flaws in his game right now but he's very young to the position he puts some reps on tape where you yes i mean what a jump out of your chair you're like how did he cover that much ground that fast make that play on the ball like you freeze frame it and you're like there's no way that caleb farley is recovering to this receiver and and yet he does and he jumps passes i mean there there are just some tantalizing things with caleb farley so i totally see where you're coming from there for me, the, the injury part, though, is I'm, I'd be worried about that for sure. And I, it'll be really interesting to see where he goes in the draft because of those injuries. Because I think a lot of people had them as his, their number one corner. But yet, he may be available for the Browns at 26. He may be available in the second round, depending on how those medicals come in. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was talking about in a previous podcast of like the only reason that I'm even talking about him, because if he was completely healthy, if he wasn't dealing with the back injury coming off that surgery, we would be talking about him probably in the top 15 picks of this draft. Like that would be penciled in. We wouldn't even have to be considering him because we knew he would be gone. I wonder if the Browns are going to look at it from the aspect of like, hey, we drafted Greedy Williams and it hasn't worked out for him from an injury standpoint. His injury thing has been his bugaboo this entire time so like I don't know if that situation with Greedy would shy the Browns away from taking a risk on Caleb Farley knowing everything how it's played out the lack of availability that Greedy has had maybe that shies the Browns away from drafting Caleb Farley I could see that but I would hope that Andrew Barry understands that if he slips to them at 26 to value and the potential of someone like that slipping to you that far in the draft I think you got to pounce on it but again we'll see if the Greedy Williams situation shies them away 
Yeah, I, I, it'll be very interesting to see my, you know, somebody that I almost didn't even include, but I'll touch on briefly because I've already talked about him so much is Tyson Campbell. And the reason yeah, I bring him up is because he's, yeah, this, see, this is why I would not be a good GM, right? They, you need to fall in like with players, not in love with players. And I would be doing everything I could to get Tyson Gamble when like that's objectively an awful way to go about the draft is don't do that. Uh, but if for similar reasons that you like Caleb Farley, he's big and he's physical. And I think that idea of a player opposite Denzel Ward makes a ton of sense. And to me, Tyson Campbell was, you know, really physical with receivers. He was in their shirt a bunch and the concerns with him, though, the long, you know, long form speeds kind of stuff to, to me is less concerning when you're going to have a John Johnson back there to protect him multiple safeties you've got Denzel Ward to cover the speeder guy so yeah I'm not I, I look I've talked about him so much on like four, three different podcasts that I don't even want to get into it anymore Brad Ward also likes Tyson Gamble so we talked about him again on the last podcast so I'll I'll start with a different guy who I've also talked about briefly on another podcast but I want to bring up again with you Jordan and that's Deami Brown and he's out of North Carolina he is an absolute burner averaged 20 I think over 20 yards per catch last season he's uh, eight touchdowns of 40 yards or more just huge huge home run threat and and Crocker said he reminds him of DK Metcalf and ironically they had the same offensive coordinator because he does not run any routes he runs like basically three routes in the route tree it's like a a go route a, a like a, a comeback in He's very limited as far as that is concerned. But I think in this Browns offense, the ability to, to stretch the field vertically with him would be a absolute weapon for the Browns. And I think he could do great things in this offense. And I think there's potential he can run some other routes too and learn that over time as well and potentially you know figure out, develop his game potentially be a replacement for, you know, an Odell Beckham Jr. on the outside in years to come, something like that. So he's, he'll, he'll be gone, I think, in the first three rounds. So he's not a huge sleeper, but Deami Brown is a guy that I would say watch out for. If you're a Browns fan looking for receiver relatively high, but not at 26, he's a guy I like. So have you changed, have you changed up on us, Henry? Have you changed your draft philosophy on us? Because I remember a couple podcasts ago, you're ranking the Browns um, like positions of need. And obviously, I think this was before that um, the Clowney signing and all, all that. But I talked about I think that receiver out of all the positions we had left was still the one thing that I looked at for that down the field threat for that home run possibility. And you were a little bit against the idea, my man. I haven't changed my philosophy in terms of the Browns' needs. I think that I think receivers ultimately are not that as valuable in the Brown system, just because, and I was talking about this with Brad Ward. I, I made that point that the Browns use multiple tight ends so often that receivers just aren't going to be on the field that much. Now I will say this part of the reason I think I, I I'm growing around coming around to the idea of taking a receiver later on is I don't think Odell Beckham is long for this team. And I also think that even Jarvis is getting up there in age to the point where maybe it's worth drafting a guy later on that might take a year or two to develop, maybe doesn't need to see the field that much this season. It, you know, could fit in in the right scenario and be used well, but come next season or two years from now could be ready to step into a larger role. So kind of drafting ahead of time as well. I, I can get behind that. I'm still 
corner first. I still want to address edge and we'll get to some of my other guys later, but I'll just be honest, Jordan. I looked at a bunch of receivers as well, because that's one of the Browns big team needs. And so <laughs> I checked out a lot of these guys and yeah, okay. Brown was one that jumped off the page to me as just a highlight machine. Yeah. Well, I like the way you're thinking in terms of the home run threat, the, the down the field possibility, Henry, because I've talked about it in, in previous podcasts of like, that was the one thing to me. I like I we go into next year and be like, hey, the Browns have a good to great offense just on paper and everything they're able to do from the offensive line to the quarterback to the running backs to the position players, the tight ends, everything. But the one thing that we lacked last year, and it was certainly when Odell went, went down, was that home run play possibility. Like I can't like, can you remember? Can you name for me off the top of your head, Henry? Three. 50 yard touchdowns or 50 yard bombs last year. Like I, I can't do it. The one that sticks out was Donovan Peoples Jones against the Titans. Other than that, I can't name one off the top of my head as a Browns fans, as the, as the hardcore Browns fans that we are, we'd be able to think of those plays off the top of my head. I can't. And that's the whole reason where I think that we have a part of our offense that we haven't unlocked and to, and to be great, not good. You have to be able to have that downfield threat as well. So I like how you're thinking here. Yeah, and as I've said before, I think Odell can be that guy, and, and that Cowboys game was the one I would bring up. It's like, hey, maybe maybe Odell could be used as a, a deep threat in that way where we really stretched that, that defense vertically, I thought. But, but a, you know, the point taken in the sense that well, – That was a that trick could, play, too. Are you, are you talking oh, well, about the Well, there's the, the one Odell trick touchdown? play uh, uh, as well. But, I, you know, he had several touchdowns in that game, and I thought also yeah. there was an incompletion – uh, uh, in that game as well, where I thought uh, it was a great play that ultimately they didn't compete. But Baker Mayfield is also well, the a other great one, deep ball thrower. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've talked about before, he had that pass where I think it was like, it wasn't like 75 yards in the air uh, at the uh, end of the half against the Ravens. But I was going to say mm-hmm. the other deep ball, now that I mentioned it, um, Thursday night game, week two against the Bengals, Odell caught. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like a 45 yard touchdown from Baker. But he, when he went down, that part of our offense got taken away. For sure. For sure. And, and, and I do believe that that Baker Mayfield is good at that and it should be part of our offense. I just think Odell is going to provide a lot of that being back this season. And especially the, the thing about it, uh, the, the deep uh, play possibility too, Henry, that we haven't even really touched on yet is this team is so good at play action that the ability to use the deep ball off of play action is such a threat. When you have the defense on your heels, when you're running the ball down your throat with Kareem Hunt with Nick Chubb and then you open it up with a deep bomb off of a play action like it's just sexy to me like that's the way offenses should operate and uh <laughs> and we we need more of that basically is what I'm getting at <laughs> yeah there are, you know there's a lot of 10-yard passes throws to the flat off the play action and Baker right. was obviously fantastic out of play action I think every Browns fan knows that but it, there are there are opportunities to take bigger shots down the field as well when you catch teams in the right coverage Jordan, speaking of draft philosophy, I think something that I definitely look for is traits the later on you get. So for me at the beginning, I want to be able to trust in the fact that that they're going to be a little bit more of a sure thing in the first round and the second round. But as you get later on, that's when I think the traits really become valuable, right? Because you're talking about guys who either have some significant flaws in their game or produced, but aren't really that special in terms of their physical abilities. And so I like the traits guys later on in in the draft. And so the next guy that I had is this guy, Milton Williams and full disclosure, you know, I discovered Milton Williams because I was poking around for draft sleepers and he was on PFFs 
website <laughs> as somebody who's a draft sleeper. But then you go and watch some of the film with him and you see his measurables. And it does make absolute sense. He weighed in at 284 pounds as he's an interior defensive lineman from Louisiana. And so weighing in at 284, 34 reps of the bench. That's 91st percentile for defensive tackle. 4.62 40-yard dash, 99th percentile. 4.25 short shuttle, 97th percentile. Three cone, 6.87 100 percentile vertical 38.5 99th percentile i mean the, the guy's just like he's an insane athlete who was at louisiana tech yes does he have flaws absolutely that's why he's not a a, a first round pick he's a little bit of a tweener in terms of dnd you know d lineman there's a, a concern about his lack of length how much does it show up but to me to me this is the another thing i look for Effort was a concern, but he has the ability. And if he's going to make it in the NFL, that effort is going to have to improve. And I think there's opportunity there to get more out of a player. So Milton Williams, he, he would be a replacement for Sheldon Richardson on this team. He's a defensive tackle. Go watch some film of him. Louisiana Tech, I mean, it's just obviously the competition's not there, Jordan. But he's a name to me. If you're looking for a Sheldon Richardson replacement, He's my guy later on in this draft. Yeah. Um, so would you say somewhere around second, third, fourth, fifth? Yeah, round, yeah. Somewhere he, around he, there? He, he won't be gone for a while. I think he's a day two, day three pick even. So, yeah, you're looking at maybe one of the Browns third or fourth rounders, even if they, I think they take him on the higher side. It's interesting because I was reading something earlier in the week. Oh, man, the name uh, slips me. So forgive me for that, but. It was right after the Sheldon Richard thing thing came down, and I started to think like, hey, maybe the Browns start to go defensive tackle in this draft. And the thing that I came across three or four times in researching this was people were very had very very strong opinions about being this being. And I even saw one guy quote it as the worst defensive tackle draft he's ever evaluated. Yeah. So there is not a lot of depth at defensive tackle in this draft. So how do you think that Milton? Uh, that uh, Milton Williams uh, projects in in a draft where a lot of people are not excited about defensive tackles. It is an awful defensive tackle draft, but to me, that's more so at the top in the, in the first couple of rounds. And that's why I think Milton Williams could be a value. Yeah. Outside of Barmore, the Alabama guy, there's like, there's basically no defensive tackles in the top of this draft that people think are any good. There's a guy out of UCLA. I I can't really pronounce his name very well, so I'm not going to take a shot at it right (laughs) now, but he's, some people are saying, Oh, he could be slept on a little bit there. He was a pretty high recruit, Uh, but no, it's an awful defensive tackle draft compared to, I mean, you typically see multiple defensive tackles in the first round uh, taken and that's just not going to be the case this year. As I said, Barmore is a one guy out of Alabama who's even kind of, in that top tier consideration of a first round pick. But even he, I, I think has some pretty major concerns among scouts. So no, it is awful, but I think it, that's the thing is you got to look for diamonds in the rough in among a pretty, as you said, poor class. I think Milton Williams could be one of those guys that, that stands out a little bit. You're right. That maybe gets overdrafted potentially because the class is so bad, but I, I, I am, I'm going to take my chances. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, I do have one more, one more crush for you, Henry, before we sign off. And, uh, that is, 
It is my man Quiddy Pay out of the uh, I almost said the uh, team up north, but I'm not I'm not ever I'm not trying to be one of those guys that's like I will never say <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> so so he's from Michigan, uh senior there, 6'2, 260. Um so the main thing that stood out to me when um looking at him, kind of evaluating him was the way his teammates spoke about him and the way the coaching staff spoke about him. Uh, obviously, he was a team captain that there on that Michigan defense, and it seems like he was really the leader of that defense from a vocal standpoint, from like a having people in line standpoint, and then it was the explosiveness, everything he's able to do. Um, I think he has the potential to come in and to me, like, so just 19 starts in college, but to me, him being a senior and all of that, and just the leadership that he possessed, kind of the maturity um, I, I kind of fell in love with that thing. I think he can come in and see some playing time, maybe not be a starter, but I think he can see some playing time right off the bat. And like, he just, to me, like hearing the good character, he's a smart guy, a leader, like, doesn't that kind of just like scream to you, the kind of guy that this front office would go after, right? Like this Ivy league front office, they want to go yeah. after the smart guys, the, the guys who have um, their, you know, what together, all everything everything along those lines. And um, I just kind of fell in love with his pursuit speed and his leadership and everything. Obviously there are some red flags, like I said, just the 19 games and um, his instincts, I kind of think were kind of questionable at times, but Henry, I think he's a guy there that you look at. um, We're still going to try and probably go defensive end in this draft. I still want to go defensive end in this draft. We've talked about the reasons of why, um Clowney one-year deal Tech McKinley one-year deal those are short-term answers who will the long-term answer be I think they turned to the draft for that and I think Quiddy Pay could be that guy just to back up your point as far as another edge guy and I and I like Quiddy Pay as well I, I I see what you're seeing there I despite the fact that he's from Michigan but hey Donovan Peoples-Jones <laughs> he, he worked out for the Browns pretty right. well last year Another guy who's a little bit the opposite of what you're talking about from a a potentially a character perspective, but as another guy that I, I saw some tape on that I did like what was Jordan Smith out of UAB. And so he is another guy, freak athlete, tons of production at UAB. Uh, He had an incident, I believe, I want to say I'm looking it up credit card fraud allegations. Yeah. He was part of the credit card fraud allegations at Florida. And then he went to UAB (laughs) after that. And that's a red flag. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there, there are obviously some character questions there, but just the combination of his production. And I thought he played with, you know, a high intensity. I loved his flexibility, which I always like to look for in edge guys is, Hey, can you bend around that edge? Cause I think that's what makes miles Garrett so special is at his size. He can still, you know, really get down low over that, you know, and around tackles on that edge. And so he's a guy I had, you know, the one guy, I was actually going to say is Kay Johnson, another receiver, too many receivers, man, but, for, but I keep, keep saying, him. so he's a guy who didn't play in 2020. He's out of South Dakota state. So a little, again, a little bit of a project basically hadn't played in 2020, but he showed up for the senior bowl and dominate. And I love that because to me, what that signals is number one, he was working clearly very hard despite not playing football in South Dakota state, their football schedule was messed up. That's why I didn't play because of COVID there was no opportunity to play. Uh, and so he ultimately, you know, had, had to decide to enter the draft or, or play the, the FCS schedule. And so he did that. And yeah, I, I think he just has a lot of great traits. Uh, you know, he did not face any of the quality corners, uh, in this class at all, by any means, every guy was playing off of him, but I loved his route running. He's going to see a totally different 
side of things in the NFL, he's going to have to develop, but he's a name. If the Browns take Cade Johnson could be really intriguing. I want to go back to Jordan Smith here just for a second. Now you were saying that you do, because I've seen him as listed as edge. I've seen him listed linebacker. I've seen him listed as defensive end. You think that um, I, because admittedly, so I haven't really uh, dove into his film or anything along those lines. I'm just kind of going off of what I've read, but is he a guy that you could trust in the three point stance and kind of put his head down and go toe to toe with like a left tackle or right tackle. Yeah. He's, he's a little bit like Oshawari, okay. you know, that top prospect out of, out of Georgia. We, yeah. We've talked about Oshawari a little bit more six, six, two fifty five, So he's not that big for a defensive end. And, and there are definitely concerns about his ability in the run game to set the edge, to play with the kind of strength he's going to need at that size. You know, you really got to play with a lot of functional strength at 255 if you're going to be defensive end in the NFL. I think he's got it, though. Because of the flexibility aspect of it, I think he's so intriguing as a pass rusher. I'd ultimately risk it for that. But I understand, you know, that that, that is definitely a, a concern for sure. But to me, a, a guy like that, just the, the potential is tantalizing enough. I would risk it. If it's the Brown, especially later on, yes, obviously character concerns, but uh, he, to me, he's worth it. And then, as I said, uh, I'm just, I'm all over these receivers. Eric Crocker was trying to talk to me about Josh Palmer <laughs> as well, who's a guy out of Tennessee who basically went up against all these top corners, Tyson Campbell, Patrick Sertain out of Alabama and did really well. And so he's, he's almost the opposite of Kay Johnson in the fact that he played a lot of the top corners and did really well. And so people are like, Hey, why is he, he considered a better receiver in this class if he, you know, caught touchdowns against these guys, played pretty well. And Tennessee's quarterback situation, awful this last season. If you didn't see it, yeah. right <laughs> that's, so, being, that's being kind. <laughs> I mean, those guys. It, it's it's so t- and why this is such a challenging job. So you've got Josh Palmer who's playing at Tennessee, like a good school, but a terrible quarterback situation going up against pros every weekend. And then on the other side of things, I'm looking at Kay Johnson as a guy I really like. But he's playing at South Dakota State in every corner. I'm not kidding. Is eight to ten yards off. The guy didn't. Yeah. I watched film on him for like 20 minutes. I didn't see press coverage. The guy just didn't play because everybody was scared of him, and he was obviously Four very opposites. productive. But it's just like <laughs> trying to evaluate those two players at the same position. And I would just like throw my hands up in the air as a scout and be like, "How am I supposed to decide who is better? These guys play such vastly different competition." Well, here's the thing with Johnson too. Like, it was he a, like? Is he one of those guys that was highly recruited and then maybe had some character issues or some legal trouble that all of a sudden found himself at South Dakota State? Because that happens. Um, if you, when you ever see these guys in like smaller conferences that are just dominating, it's usually they're high recruits, but something went uh, wrong along the way and they kind of ended up where they are. Is that, is that the case here? It is not. He is, at least okay. as far as I know, I, I, the, the one note I have on him actually is that he is an FCS walk-on. So I am feverishly really? going to look that up. And, oh, my God. I, so I just looked up his NFL draft profile to, to confirm that. And it, and it does say former FCS walk-on. But also, this is amazing. His NFL comparison, Dennis Northcutt. Former <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Dennis I'm 100% sold on Kay Johnson now. Show me him. Dennis Northcutt as the comparison. on it. I could not have made that up. That is a throwback comparison, man. <laughs> Daniel that Jeremiah or whoever wrote this, it reached deep for that. That is a, that is a throwback for yeah. one I think Browns fans can appreciate. That's impressive. Aren't we, aren't we still mad at him for, like, the Steelers playoff game in, like, 2003? Like, I, or, 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 or have we come around to him? I don't know. 
I get. I guess so. I I I am not so mad at Dennis Northcutt. I liked watching Dennis Northcutt a lot. Yeah, he, so he was a, he was a fun guy. But yeah, this uh, you know, it, Kate Johnson. We'll we'll see. I mean, as I said, he is a tough evaluation for sure. But one of those people that just absolutely dominated lower levels. And hey, if he turns out to be Dennis Northcutt, that is a valuable pick in day three. And that's why I love these draft comparison things. And like, it goes for the NBA and the NFL too. Like. How are you going to tell me that you were watching film on this guy and the first name that came to your mind was, you know what, Dennis Northcutt. That's who I see. Like, <laughs> like where, where does that even come from? The, I, I love the draft, hey, man. It's, si- it's, it's similar cool. size, 5'11", you know, kind of that quicker, shiftier guy. Quick, no, yeah. I, 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 I can't say Dennis Northcutt was the first person that came to my mind. Though I don't do this for a living. But, <laughs> yeah, he, he's, a, he's a fun guy, though. But, anyway, Jordan, I think we, we can wrap up there Obviously, a fun episode. The draft coming next week. We're, we're of course, going to have that covered on this feed. We'll, we'll talk, I think, a little bit more uh, off off the mics about you know our plans for that. Whether we do something after the first round or we kind of wait until everything else is in and see you know the full scope of things. But even before then, we'll still be talking draft here on this feed, Browns fans. Not to worry, Jordan. Are you getting fatigued at all of draft talk? I, I saw some Browns uh, podcasters out there saying, ah, you know, it gets to be a really long process. And, and this year's definitely been different, you know, covering the Browns. But for me, I don't know if I've ever been this excited for Browns draft talk because that we're not a top pick, you know, team and we can focus so much on the other guys. Yeah, no, I'm not getting fatigued at all. Like I am enjoying this process. And like, not to mention that not, not only that we're not a top pick, Henry, but there's not like, like take last year's draft, for example, right? Like you went into that draft knowing the Browns need and are going to take a left tackle. It's just a matter of who they're going to take. That is by far not the case this year. We're, we're talking about like, hey, is it going to be a corner? Hey, is it going to be a linebacker? Like what, what are they going to do? Edge, this, that, that, and the other. Like there's so many things and we can't really figure out what they're going to do. And that's why it's so intriguing to me is because we can sit here and say, this is what we want them to do. This is what we want to do. And they, they can throw a curveball and draft something that we didn't even expect. And like, I don't know. That's just why I love it. I love this process more than anything for two reasons. One being we don't suck and we're not drafting a guy that we need to come in right away and be like, this guy needs to be a cornerstone piece right away. We don't need that. And that's when we can get into deep diving on these guys, deep diving on your South Dakota wide receivers and whatnot. Like, so yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I agree with you. To me this year, there's basically nothing that the Browns could do Maybe outside of take like a quarterback, I'll agree. Maybe Packers with Jordan Love last <laughs> yeah. year that would surprise me on, on draft night. If they traded up, if they traded back out of the first round, if they took a wide receiver, if they took a safety, if they took a linebacker, like really nothing could surprise me uh, as far as what they're gonna do. And so that makes it so interesting. Is there's so many different machinations of, of how this could go that we really don't know and won't know until next week. So I agree with you a hundred percent. I am uh, I am loving this for sure and Browns fans hopefully you are not fatigued of us either talking draft hopefully you are loving this as well we're going to continue to talk uh, about uh, you know what the Browns might do here some other players things like that to focus on over the next couple episodes so please stay tuned for that in the meantime if you want to talk Browns you can find Jordan J underscore Climac 20 me Henry underscore Ettinger on Twitter and hear our thoughts about things happening there and if you want some free beer for the draft leave a review drop your twitter handle somebody will be in touch with you about getting a free six-pack from Coors light so it really it just takes a couple minutes and you can get free beer for next weekend so 
Browns fans, until then, crack open a cold one, enjoy yourselves, sit back, relax, and get ready for the Browns 2020 draft. That's going to do it for this episode of the rebuild. So just two words for you. Go Browns.